0: Have accessed entry 864.LV0723, certificate number 51232. Olestra.
1: Oh, oh, I like the sexy Barry White. Olestra. Oh, this is part of my continuing series of 90s topics for. Millennials.
0: I know you feel very pressured to not just have all to of our topics be like stuff we
1: watch as kids. Hey, yeah. Johnny, Johnny Quest. <laughs> Bo- Every episode of Johnny Quest is now an omnibus.
0: <laughs> Boomer content for Gen X uh, TV kids. I mean, really, watch the kid
1: reason kid. Why, it's quite clear the reason why we aim the show at boomers and Gen X—they are the last Americans with disposable income. Interesting. No, we do it because
0: we're not trying to sell anything, though. Except Casper Matt, we don't even sell Casper mattresses.
1: Uh, we sell bidets. Yeah. From time to time. And
0: hair, hair loss treatments.
1: Yeah. And hair loss treatments for your butt. <laughs> we uh, uh I but, mean the, the reason why we kind of fall back on a lot of mid-20th century stuff is because the point of the show is this is stuff that's gone down the memory hole. Right. And a lot of the the millennial culture is uh is too recent to know what what disappeared oddly quickly. What's interesting
0: is that you still being on social media are still worried about what People think of you. Whereas (laughs) I'm just going to increasingly do shows on Soviet airplanes and, you know, and I'm never, no one's ever going to yell at me about it because how would I know?
1: They can yell, but you won't hear. Right. If somebody yells at you in a forest and uh, you're not on Twitter, does it even make a sound? It doesn't
0: make a sound. Whereas you're going to get letters for every time. Every time you do an episode from somebody, that's like,
1: why don't you ever do Care Bears? And you're gonna
0: be like, Care Bears,
1: there's no story there. But Alestra really is something that disappeared down the memory hole, or down, oh, the, d- down the drain, if down you will, some hole, <laughs> oddly, uh, oddly quickly.
0: Now this feels like a thing that uh, that is very current to me too. What is the what are what are the what's the Alestra time frame?
1: Uh interestingly.
0: Isn't this really more of a Gen X topic than a millennium one?
1: Olestra invented in nineteen sixty eight. Okay. But they year I was born. But they didn't get government approval for decades. This is a mid to late Uh, nineties cultural story.
0: Oh, so only nineties kids will get
1: this. Only nineties kids will remember this this episode of Boy Meets World Uh, where where they eat light chips. Do you have beloved uh, snack foods of your childhood that are not made anymore that you kind of have nostalgia for, just crap you can't buy at the, at the market?
0: I mean, what I have nostalgia for is candy bars that are candy bar sized and packages of M&Ms that have a proper amount of M&Ms in uh, them.
1: Ah, you don't like the shrinking of...
0: Right? Everything's gotten smaller, and I remember just when... to keep
1: the price point the same.
0: Yeah. I remember when I first saw a Hershey bar that was not the size of a Hershey bar, but was a smaller... A facsimile, And I was so just, I mean, that was one of the first real outrages I felt when I look at Girl Scout thin mint cookies now and I, and I compare them to what thin mint cookies were in 1978,
1: I just feel like the, the is it different because there's only like 12 to a box?
0: Well, and they're just they're 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 so small, they have so little chocolate and mint on them. Oh, The just cookies like,
1: themselves got smaller? Yeah,
0: the, the whole experience is smaller. The cookies are just like crackers now.
1: I mean, I love the Girl Scouts and I love sure. their cookies. I'm sure. I'm not down on anything about this. Right. But I do think that box doesn't have to be that big if you're only putting in um twelve tagalongs. If you look
0: at Willy Wonka and okay. his Hold on. And, let, and his Google. Wonka bar or whatever, what was the bar that the gold ticket came in?
1: Yeah. Well, it's a that's, Wonka bar.
0: Yeah, uh, if you look at the size of that thing, it's the size of a. I mean, it's the size of a paperback book, and that's how I remember chocolate bars. Now, maybe I had small hands, but I <laughs> definitely know <laughs> that a Kit Kat bar used to be. You know, you could use it as a weapon.
1: Today, you can't break it in half.
0: Yeah, it's you, too you small.
1: literally would need forceps. So that's what
0: I miss.
1: Oh, And I guess I also miss
0: just being able to buy a bag of Cheetos and not having to go through a thousand. Hot Cheetos uh, and lime flavored Cheetos. Uh, so all of these are just like old curmudgeon problems. They, it's not like they've stopped making any of my favorite desserts.
1: I mean, the serving size thing is relevant. We're, we're, we'll cover some ground here related to you know the fact that the Willy Wonka bar is from an era before anyone would care if a kid ate a, a thing of chocolate the size of a two by four.
0: I mean, I also miss full size newspapers.
1: You just want things in general to be larger because you'll feel
0: small and cozy? Well, people used to be smaller, but things were larger. Now I'm large and
1: everything's small. <laughs> the culture is moving in the <laughs> wrong direction. It is. I either make me smaller or make things bigger. I'm getting bigger and these airline seats yeah.
0: are getting smaller. Cars are getting smaller. Did you ever notice? When I, when I sit in a car
1: now, my head touches the ceiling <laughs> at least 50% of the time. When your mama sits around the car. <laughs> No, that's exactly true. I, I guess I'm being a little younger than you. I still remember the flavor explosion of there being ten of everything, oh, and I remember it kind of explosion. fondly, you yeah. know. Like, and you know, I'm not actually clear on which of my favorite snack crap foods are not exist anymore. Like, maybe I just don't go down that aisle anymore because I'm because I know I can't eat that food, I or think maybe they only have them in uh, Pennsylvania. When did Cheetos Puffs arrive? Because I support Puffs.
0: I will eat both kinds of Cheetos. And I, I have no both, complaints. Both density of Cheeto? Both Cheeto densities.
1: Do you do you test to see if they float in water like a witch to see if you'll eat them? No, because that
0: feels like one of those things where you, you put cotton candy in a in a pond in front of a raccoon or you get <laughs> yeah, that just feels mean. But um oh, yeah, one of those things. But I do look at the the weight of the two bags, and I don't know if you know this, but the weight of small crunchy Cheetos and the weight of puffy Cheetos. It's the same. You get the same amount of Cheeto. You're just paying for air. It's just the bags are bigger.
1: I like do they make hostess fruit pies anymore? Oh, interesting. Because those are delicious and are t- they're terrible. I'm sure it's just like 70% palm oil by weight, but uh, I
0: abso- I feel like the ding dong is absolutely one of the um one of the things that in shrinking uh <laughs> the ding dong went from being a wonderful food to uh, like a pointless food.
1: We need to um, reprogram this buzzer so it's just you saying. Ding dong. When the ding dong shrinks, it's not <laughs> good food
0: or but whatever like, you said. Hostess cupcakes and ding dongs both used to be, you know, I would get one in my lunch sometimes. My mom would surprise me with a foil wrap ding dong or a hostess cupcake. Hostess cupcakes always came in twos. Yes. And they were so good. They were like, oh
1: yeah, it's the best. It's engineered to what kids want in their mouth and bloodstream.
0: And now ding dongs are tiny little dry little husks of their former selves. Maybe
1: we just got more. Uh, maybe we just got better palates. I
0: mean, I'm a dry husk of my former self, but I the, I can tell that the ding dongs
1: have changed. You don't you don't like the, the ding dong of Dorian Gray? You got one in your cupboard. <laughs> I that's, do. As you stay young and fit, the ding dong so is so beautiful. Is, is wasting away.
0: Um, I'm going to, I feel like I'm going to have to do a show on ding-dongs eventually.
1: Ooh, omnibus after dark. We got, uh, I have specific chips that I miss. Which ones? But these are going to be Gen X chips. These are going to be like 80s chips. Well, what, name an
0: 80s chip that I wouldn't, that, that doesn't exist anymore.
1: Tater skins.
0: I don't eat potatoes. They're
1: made from potatoes and skins that are real. Yeah, you're not going to know any of these.
0: No, though. I don't. I, that, and that's the thing. I never ate the Elestro. chip aisle. The
1: chip aisle to you is just a small uh, column of corn chips. It's, if it is made of corn, I will
0: eat it. But it, but all the potato stuff just feels like it's for. Pfft.
1: Potato skins had potato. They were a potato chip on one side, but on the back they were like brown, like a potato.
0: Hmm.
1: So you would feel like you were eating, um, you know, the kind of gross Applebee's fries that still has skin on the back. I mean, I'll
0: eat a funyun.
1: I'll even eat a. You'll eat a root vegetable in chip form. Yeah, I'll eat a. I'll eat a pork rind even. That's not a root vegetable. In your culture, from the pig plant, from the chicharrón plant. Um, so the uh, the Wow chips that Fr- Frito Lay released in the '90s are, uh, I think, still available. Wow, but not the. Uh, not the wunderkind they were in 1996 when WoW chips sold $347 million, making them the best-selling new product in America. And it, the, the news accounts all say it's the best-selling new product in America. Is that, like, compared to anything? Cars? Uh, computers? Like, it sold more than the Pentium did? I don't—
0: I mean, is it sold more by volume, by number, by, by price?
1: Maybe it was just the best—you know, maybe in supermarkets it was the best—it was the biggest— selling hottest new item of 1996 okay now this this
0: is going to potentially date me but i have no recollection of wow chips see i'm looking at a picture of them right now
1: this is why i have to do the millennial shows i have
0: zero zero memory of ever seeing this and they can't possibly still be on the shelves because i've never seen one
1: you were in some kind of a, a haze during this time because this is not it's not
0: wow brand it's doritos it's yeah it's frito lay wow
1: it's called wow because they didn't want to call their chips olustra so wow was kind of their trade name for this new miracle product that they'd been trying to get approved by the fda for what almost 30 years
0: and it's um it's like a it's like a fat
1: substitute it's a fat substitute and unlike many fat substitutes it holds up under heat so you can uh, cook and fry with it
0: oh wait a minute oh i see so it's not it's not like vegetable oil, which is still a fat. This is some Th- other. There thing.
1: are some things that have a fat-like feel, so you can you know you can replace the mouth feel of fat in certain products. But what you want with fat, if you're a if you're a uh, an American of our era, is you want to deep fry things. Yes, you do. Or or maybe a Scot? Are aren't they always deep frying candy bars and uh, pickles up there?
0: Or if not, deep fry them. Just fry them. I mean, you can fry them a lot of different ways.
1: You don't care about the depth of the frying. You just need to your food fried. Yeah, fry it. Fry it, damn it, any way you can. I don't have a minimum depth. For just fry me everything. Uh, so olestra would crucially it would fry. You could you could use it for you could heat it and cook with it. Um, the story of olestra and the the decades long battle over it kind of begins in the sixties when the American and maybe the Western idea in general, but I think America kind of led the way on this, and then it leaked into. Britain and the EU and so forth, like so many of our worst innovations do. Uh, the 60s was the first time when we really started thinking about nutrition, not so much as the four food groups, like remnants of which you and I probably learned about in elementary school. Food pyramid. Yeah, there's. I remember when there were just four groups, like a when the we had the old textbooks that didn't have the pyramid yet. Grains, fruit and vegetables, dairy, meat. Correct. Uh, and really the point was to just get enough of all of these things because all food is good. All these foods are good. You just need to make sure you're getting enough and then you'll be a happy, healthy boy or girl.
0: My mom talks about the way she and my father ate in the mid-60s and every night they had either a steak or a pork chop. Those were
1: the only two foods.
0: Rarely would they have a, some chicken And then even more rarely fish. And then they would have uh, a potato and some – and like either iceberg lettuce or maybe against my dad's protest, some broccoli.
1: They must have been so disappointed by your anti-potato stance.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I've never met a person that celebrated my anti-potato stance. But I don't think – my dad ate bananas. I mean, I think they would – Your dad's
1: on the record is (laughs) he didn't just eat a baked potato for every meal.
0: No, they would – they had a bowl of fruit, I guess. But in terms of – Dinner
1: was different. Dinner had to be – A meat. There's – I think we've talked about this on the show before, but one of the innovations of Chinese food when white people and, you know, specifically at first Jewish people started eating there in American restaurants was that it was not a big cut of meat. Right. That's where the idea comes from that you're hungry an hour later because it was the only American meal that would actually be vegetables and sauce instead of a big cut of uh, some kind of red meat with some chopped up meat. Yeah, there's yeah. still there's still meat in there, but I mean even then, you know, today we, that's pretty common. You'll have a little meat with your with your uh, your grains and your veggies. Yeah. And that was not the dominant American way to have dinner in the Fifties and sixties,
0: yeah. the 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 lean cuisine hadn't been invented yet. That's right. I'm going to put that right next to here to to the ding
1: dong. the uh, the sea change happened kind of in the sixties and seventies when instead of just saying all food is good, just make sure you eat a variety. During this is the first period where we start to think about what the wrong things are to eat. Where we for the first time, and it's going to be hard for younger or future people to realize this. There was a time when nobody was scolding you for eating the wrong things. And the wrong things were
0: uh, a reaction to kind of trying to discern why there was heart disease or why there was this is the high main, blood
1: pressure? This is the main thing that happened, is that uh, there was a decline in infectious diseases around this time because we, the germ theory of medicine had finally won out. We had good vaccines. We had cleaner water. Uh, Americans were living longer and not dying of infectious disease. But what that meant is heart disease just skyrocketed. So instead of perceiving this as a plus, hey, we're living long enough to get heart disease, people start thinking, what are we doing wrong that so many fine American dads and grandmas and so forth have high blood pressure and get heart attacks? It's so funny because
0: right away we wanted to start living forever, and no one had put any thought into this because even when you live to be 75, you really run out of things to do. You know, human beings. The
1: question is, which kind of cancer are you going to get? Because what else are you going to do with your day?
0: But also, like, come on. I mean, just sit in front of the television. Like, might as well kick it off.
1: I wonder if the invention and adoption of television actually helped uh, increase this idea that, you know, just subconsciously, this idea that we should be living longer because— There's so much more TV to watch. Well, yeah. And there's something to pass the day in your your 70s and onward, whereas, you know, in past, before the radio—
0: Right. When you, a big part
1: of your mind in your seventies was probably just assuming, well, you know, death, please take me now. (laughs) Yeah. Once you're
0: no longer working, I'm sure all the people who are working around you are just like, oh, God, do I have to walk around granddad's chair again? Like, come on, clear this
1: space. And I have been, and I've been, I feel a lot of guilt about kind of being that person, being that kind of young person thinking, well, we visited grandma last month. We don't. We don't have to see her again so soon, right. right?
0: But you weren't wrong.
1: Well, not from Grandma's point of view, I was. Yeah, but what's the, that's one of the, the things. I mean, that, I guess Grandma had Fox News. She was, she was, <laughs> she had something to be angry
0: at. That wasn't me. That was what drove me crazy. As my dad got a little older, I was like, "What? Your primary activity is is watching me, like seeing me come over? Like, come on! You've got to like I'm also an autonomous being."
1: The other thing that happened around the same time as as heart rate started to rise is Ah, Dwight Eisenhower. Made the great mistake of having a heart attack in 1955. Oh, come
0: on, Dwight.
1: And his forward thinking doctors, you know, the president gets the best care at Walter Reed, they told him, look, you got yeah, to ca-
0: stop eating so many.
1: Your arteries are in terrible shape. Oh, stop God. eating this fatty food. You need to eat more whole grains, more vegetables. Now, how did these doctors know that? I mean, the, Eisenhower's a general. He's in great shape, presumably. He, maybe he needs more steak. Yeah. How do you know which way to go? Clearly, he's not getting the right amount of steak. Yeah,
0: right. How do you know it's too much? Too much, too little? Maybe how, it's too little. How do these doctors suddenly understand all this about grains?
1: Well, the, the, one of the leading voices on this, uh, you're eating the wrong stuff, and, and, and it kind of it it's really a sea change in American food because suddenly eating and meal planning becomes all about self-restraint. For the first time, it's not like, pick some delicious foods and eat them. Now it's like... Look, we all know what foods are good, and you just need to eat less of them than you want to, which is kind of the paradigm that continues today.
0: Is this derived from Kellogg trying to g- give people molasses enemas
1: <laughs> or whatever? Kellogg is actually part of it, not the enemas so much. Uh, in general, the enemas are going to go in the other direction on this show. Um, a lot of it actually comes down to a lobbying group called the CSPI, the Center for Science in the Public Interest, Okay, which was kind of the first nutrition-centered— Consumer Advocacy and and, uh, Lobbying Group, you know, the NRA of of, uh, Kale, if you will. I feel like it's
0: the type of acronym that I would give a a door-to-door canvasser $10 just to get them off my porch. Like, yeah, "Yeah, I'll join this, sure.
1: I will cross the street to get away from the CSPI guy with the... With the clipboard. Have you heard about the CSPI?
0: Oh, sorry. I don't live here.
1: (laughs) The CSPI, it sounds like it's something that could go up 10% and then you don't know if that's good or not. Hmm. The CSPI is up 10% this year.
0: The CSPI is down. Uh, (laughs) I need to move some money around. The
1: CSPI was founded by a guy named Michael Jacobson who was kind of a Nader acolyte. Again, this is the dawn of the...
0: But this is pre-Nader, right? Or is this post-Nader? No,
1: this is, a, it gets founded in the early 70s. Because, you
0: know, I worked for a couple of Nader organizations. And, vo-
1: and voted for him
0: twice. <laughs> I did. But I worked for the Public Interest Research Group, and I worked for the National Environmental Law Center. So they're all four-word public interest groups. And
1: doing great work. Because yeah. who else at the time was saying, hey, uh, not everything that General Motors does is good for every American? Right. Um, in fact, they were saying the opposite thing. The opposite thing. Which is much catchier, honestly. You can see why what's good for General Motors is not always good for America. That's pretty is, catchy, is though. It's not likely to be in a convention speech.
0: It, fit, it fits on a t-shirt, whereas <laughs> what's what's good for General Motors is not necessarily good for every American.
1: May or may not be we don't want to commit. It depends on who they are. And maybe the least privileged ones are taking it on the chin the most.
0: That's a long t-shirt.
1: It's got a lot of, like a lot of the correct views today, it has a lot of uh, subordinate clauses. Right, if and statements. And nuances. And nuances. Um, And the CSPI kind of establishes itself as America's scolding mom. It's food police t- oh, telling goodness. you which things you should not be eating. And, and by 1980, the federal government follows through on this movement that the CSPI has kind of been on the vanguard of and, you know, calling congressional
0: hearings. There was so much scolding in the 70s and as children in the 70s. Like,
1: why did we get scolded so much? We weren't doing anything. Well, everybody did because it produced Jimmy Carter, right? Who decided, you know, America needed a good talking to and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and just some better habits,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like uh,
0: drive less, turn down
1: your thermostat, yeah, eat, why, wear a sweater, why all that lead in your gas? Sure. Uh, why are you eating all those uh, ding dongs, John? Yeah. <laughs> he went door to door. I can't drive
0: fifty five. Ken exactly. or Jimmy.
1: Why are you not using the metric system and uh, yeah. driving much slower on the interstate? Yeah, no, thanks. Terrible, terrible, Jimmy Carter uh,
0: that I have. There. That was a bad Jimmy Carter Really, was, Really terrible.
1: And it sounded closer to Bill Clinton. Well, but but then but then Ronald oh, Reagan. No, we're God. not we're not doing this. Uh, and, and the federal government follows suit in 1980 and produces the first dietary guidelines. I remember this. But isn't this weird that it's only 40 years ago before then the federal government? Now the federal government has. A website with a hundred ideas of yeah. the kinds of things you should be eating and not eating. Was this during that presidential physical fitness thing too, <laughs> where
0: you got, you could do so many pull-ups and you would get a little sweatshirt that with a seal like on it? That seems like it's
1: a, that's going to be an omnibus for sure. That's yeah. got to be some Eisenhower heart attack hangover plus Kennedy touch football yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, ease and grace. But that, this whole food pyramid thing um, is only- In our lifetimes. To 1980. Yeah. And- uh Crazy. And the uh, CSPI—it
0: feels like like it's from the Bible,
1: right? And for the first time, you know, the the food pyramid gets adjusted many times since then. But this is really the idea: you need to be eating a lot of these good things and a little of these bad things, and really none if you if you can handle it. Yeah, all the way up to the tip. That was the yeah, just the tip, just the tip. That was the hard thing for me because you know, previously the messaging was, yeah, we all know this. um, You know, this candy bar is probably not good for you, so you know, make sure you eat good things too. And that was really like, look, look at yourself in the mirror and say you should not be eating that candy bar at all. Feel well, bad about yourself if you do, but that's, you know, humans are weak in a fallen world.
0: The thing about meat, dairy, grains, and fruit and vegetables is that you can have strawberry shortcake, and uh, that's
1: two, that's two or two to three groups. <laughs> that's three, three
0: groups, if you and you then put, a if you put some, put some jerky on it, uh, ice cream definitely f- uh, fits in there. So, so when it, when the pyramid got more detailed, and some of those. Foods got um, you know, sequestered to smaller and smaller parts of the pyramid. I kept looking for and I know my dad did, kept looking for outs. What are the, the outs?
1: The good thing about the four groups is you can think of something you like in all of them. So yeah. it's an easy sell in textbooks. Pizza. I like bread, I like hamburger, I like, I like apples, and I like uh which, which one did I leave out cheese yeah
0: cheese you didn't even have to pick a vegetable ice cream fruit and was vegetables were ice killing. cream was in the dairy one you know well yeah and my dad loves strawberry ice cream and i'm sure he considered that a fruit and
1: a dairy cake is a grain pie is a fruit uh it was a huskier time
0: but but in the uh in the pyramid yeah you had to the pyramid is a judge there was a big section at the bottom that just looked like raw wheat
1: the pyramid just makes you feel bad about yourself because the the, the big part is just green vegetables full of iron and vitamin a oh
0: come on
1: and we were all still boiling our vegetables to make sure they were gross yeah white at the same time as we were making people eat them uh and the cspi kind of leads the way on this with ad campaigns that have a lot of um the kind of mom scaremongering that 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 came with a lot of this good consumer advocacy. Mm -hmm. Literally, do you know what your kids are eating? Like satanic panic style stuff. And they had their own villain, which was not... Was it the Noid? It was not the Noid, but you're close. It wasn't Satan's daycares, but it was fast food. So I guess it kind of was the Noid. It wasn't pizza, but it was Mickey D's. It was this kid's holding this hamburger, and guess what? That patty is 23% fat. Yeah, And this kid's drinking a shake, and guess what? That shake has more sodium than his fries do.
0: I remember this. I was that kid. And
1: the fries have beef tallow in them because McDonald's did put beef tallow in its fries until the 90s and they they tasted so good.
0: Right. Um, They don't anymore? You can be a vegetarian and eat McDonald's fries?
1: Yeah. Oh, interesting. And I think that was it. It was like, wait, vegetarians just figured out they couldn't eat the fries and they were losing business. So they had to put in... Some vegetarian stuff that tasted a little bit like beef tallow. They I, figured it out.
0: I uh, never eat potatoes, so I don't remember McDonald's fries being good or bad.
1: This is all coming... Right, exactly. You don't. You skip the fries anyway. You're like, hey, you got any Funyuns? Who cares? Yeah. Sir, this is a McDonald's.
0: Why don't you have Cheetos here? Well, I would just get a strawberry pie instead.
1: This is all coming out of the lipophobia that came out of uh, the rise in high blood pressure and Eisenhower's heart attack, Ike's heart attack, the idea that... Uh, you're eating all this gooey fat, mm. and as a result, it's coating your arteries with gooey fat. It, mm-hmm. it just seemed to make sense in a very visceral way and a gross way, like, ew, oh, of course I don't want to eat a lot of fat. It's it's covering my insides with this yellowish gunk that's going to give me a, a quadruple bypass by the time I'm 50.
0: My dad had a heart attack in the 70s.
1: My grandpa did. Um, my dad's prone to it as well. It's, you know, when people live longer, they have heart attacks. Yes. And there are nutritional things you can do, but- it became cemented in the public mind that fat. Fat in your diet is the worst thing. Fat in your burger. Why does why isn't that person eating a ground turkey burger? That would have less fat.
0: Yep, yep less fat.
1: Uh why isn't why aren't your kids drinking skim milk? That would have less fat.
0: We all started drink uh, we all started eating chicken mm. in the eighties where none of us had ever eaten chicken before. And suddenly it was like chicken is
1: health food. Moms loved it because it was a little, you know, they could They could uh, pare down their grocery budget,
0: right? Cheaper. It's uh...
1: that was that was a big deal in an era where only one parent worked in a lot of these two family homes, and so you had the dynamic of a mom trying to economize, you know, a dad trying to earn, and a mom trying to economize. And it was a A coupon, seventeen percent interest, big agenda for her to Mm -hmm. try to keep the grocery costs down because she felt like she was, you know, the society, the patriarchy had put her in a position of of beseeching for to money to feed her kids.
0: The first time I ever had chicken Alfredo in a restaurant, I did it thinking to myself that I was getting a healthy meal because <laughs> it had chicken and I'd heard so much in the newspapers about chicken being the new health food.
1: As as companies figured this out and pull, dialed back on fat, of course that makes food taste less good. And so they compensated by adding sugar and salt. Sure. And the sugar council was able to you know they loved this. They were able to straight-facedly go in front of Congress and brag about how their food is just pure calories, the same as the same as any other energy-lending food. And you know it's important to note: sugar, totally free of fat and cholesterol.
0: I had a a, a very very impression a, a, a moment that made a big impression on me. I was working. This is in my very early twenties, working at a stock brokerage as a clerk, and the woman that kind of ran the the cage, yeah. the clerk's area. Um, I overheard her talking to another woman that worked at the brokerage, and she said, I made a big tray of, of uh, brownies this weekend, and I ate the whole thing by myself. But you know what? It was fat-free. <laughs> the entire thing was fat-free, and so I just sat and ate the whole thing because it was completely fat-free, And I was standing there, you know, minding my own business with my green visor on, uh, typing up checks for the Gates Foundation or whatever, and thinking, wait a minute, that doesn't mean it's calorie-free.
1: It seems goofy now, but this was what that kind of fat phobia of the culture had fed us, the idea that if if you ate fat, you would get fat, and your arteries would get fat. It stands to reason. It's the same word.
0: But there were twenty thousand calories in this in this <laughs> pan of <brownies. laughs> Box of brownies. Also, how
1: do you make fat-free brownies? What's your what's your butter or shortening substitute? Well,
0: it was probably olestra. I mean, I don't remember what it was, but it was. <laughs> she bought a box at the store that said fat-free.
1: In this environment of America becoming increasingly uh, worried about dietary fat, uh, two scientists at Procter and Gamble in 1968 are trying to find a way. To make fat more digestible to infants, Mm. you know, Mm. malnutrition's still a problem for babies. How do we get their little bodies to uh, absorb more of the calories they're getting through, you know, largely through the fat in in breast milk or formula, and then the the foods that come after it? Uh, And they accidentally, because they're not very good at their jobs apparently, do the opposite. They produce fat that is much harder for the body to absorb. Oh. The triglycerides that make up most of the dietary fat in our food are three fatty acids attached to a glycerol molecule. What the scientists have done is replaced the, the backbone of this molecule with sucrose, which is a larger, more complicated molecule, sugar. It's got uh, more place for more fatty acids to grip onto.
0: The fatty acids are, are agnostic about whether or not to, whether they choose glycerol or sucrose?
1: You can make them choose sucrose, Um, because I guess that's just how organic chemistry works. Mm -hmm. And because the sucrose molecules are bigger and more complicated, you can get like seven or eight fatty acids on one of those babies. And you'd think that would be worse, but it's not. It just makes the molecule so big that your body can't metabolize it. It goes right through the intestine without the intestine ever getting any nutritive or caloric value from that fat. It's it's garbage in, garbage out.
0: You get the delicious taste and feel of fat and sugar... That's right. But your body gets, your body just uh, turns it into uh, expelation.
1: Yes. What's the nice way we're going to, what's the nice way to say? (laughs) Your body will pass it along back to the environment. And- Night soil. It's night soil. Procter & Gamble um, immediately realizes what they have here. Oh, yeah. A fat substitute that uh, doesn't put fat in your body. I'm still looking for it. And they try to get FDA approval. Unfortunately, this turns into a decades-long back and forth. Why? What's the, what's the problem? The problem here is that the FDA is really good at testing stuff for toxicity. You know, you give, it, you give a little bit of it to rats, and then you give more and more of it to rats, and you see at one point the rats die. Right. That's not going to work here because you've created a whole new macronutrient. You've kind of turned diet on its head, and you need to do more than prove it's non-toxic. Right. Um,
0: I mean, you could feed rats— only this until they starve to death because it gives <laughs> it brings no nutrients into their bodies.
1: For ten years, uh, there's a lot of back and forth. Finally, in the uh, in the mid '70s, they just give up. Um,
0: Who does the FDA or Procter, Procter and Gamble, Procter Gamble, just, Gamble
1: just gives up? And it's not until ten years later when and you probably remember this little nutrition boomlet. Nutrition, like anything else, is faddish. In the mid '80s. Kellogg, uh, based on new research showing that you can lower cholesterol, we're still we're still very fat worried. You can lower cholesterol with certain uh, healthy grains. I think oat bran in particular was mm-hmm. shown to lower um, blood cholesterol. And so Kellogg applied to the FDA to start putting lowers cholesterol on some of its oat cereals. Yep. And the FDA rolled over, and and Procter Gamble says, "Look, if we're gonna if we're gonna say this is something the FDA can certify, let's go back to the drawing board and try to get." uh, our giant fat molecules out the door. Was this
0: because the Reagan administration had a, a new mandate to the FBA, FDA to just like green light, um, like stop being a, an impediment to industry.
1: I wonder if that is part of, it. I didn't think about that at the time, but it's true that all their difficulties were, um, you know, late seventies, early eighties. And then in, you know, in the heart of the Reagan eighties, they, uh, uh, deregulation and so forth. They right. they take up the baton again, and so this continues on for another decade. Uh, in the end, during this thirty years of FDA back and forth on Pro- Procter Gamble's new additive, there are 150 studies done, 150 thousand pages of scientific findings wow. on the effects of what they're calling Olestra. Uh, Procter Gamble is uh, having to extend their patent. Uh-huh. On this molecule, it's never even been because relieved. nobody's had a bite of it yet. Um, the FDA is worried about a couple things. You know, in addition to toxicity, they're worried about: well, will this just make people eat more fried food? Like, does this make people net unhealthier, even though they're eating right. less fat or metabolizing less fat? They're just going to think they can eat a whole.
0: A tray of brownies.
1: Yeah, whole tray, the whole tray of brownies effect, right. Also, the fact that it's going right through your um, intestine without getting metabolized means you're not absorbing vitamins right. anymore from right. what you eat. So They, they can't were separate the
0: vitamins so that the vitamins are
1: that was, absorbable? That was the workaround. Eventually, Procter Gamble said, look, we'll add vitamins A, E, C, and K, or whichever the whichever the vitamins in question were, to all the snacks that we put Olestra in instead of regular fats. Procter Gamble also has to limit... Uh, you know, to try to get this government approval, they limit it. They say, okay, fine, we won't actually fry a bunch of stuff in this. We won't put it in brownies. We're going to say this is just for chips and crackers. Like, all we want is to put this in chips and crackers, oh, please. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> for the love of...
0: They're hoping that once the, once the door is open to right. crack that they can... Exactly. Yeah.
1: Uh, but it is not until January 24th, 1996. So, wow, I guess... Uh, Not that long ago, we're getting to—that's the middle of the Clinton era.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Which is a great time for an explosion in fried foods,
1: right? The fast food—the uh, fast food stigma has surely been lessened by by Bill eating a couple quarter pounders after every jog, right? <laughs> um, The day before their patent is about to expire again, Wow! uh, and this is how you know that there's some collusion there between industry and government, which otherwise never happens. The day before their patent is due to expire, they get FDA approval, which automatically confers you a patent extension. But the deal is, yes, it can only be chips and crackers. Yes, you have to throw in vitamins. And you're going to have to put a label onto this thing, a warning label telling the customer that there have been some side effects reported. And the,
0: what, what, so, in the in the testing, there were side effects.
1: Yes, and in Procter and Gamble's private testing, they were never able to find any. Weirdly, mm. when third parties, when third party universities did tests on Alustra, they had some reported side effects. And the CSPI immediately jumps on this. They've been fighting this the whole way. They they're fat phobic, but they don't want. Fake fact. They don't want to give the idea that there's some good some good ways you can eat chips. Right. That would get rid of their whole kind of idea of self restraint and virtue in in food.
0: Yeah. They want you to eat two raw stalks of cabbage. Yes. Which comes in stalks, old cabbage stalks they call them, and a
1: little bit of goat cheese.
0: No salt. No no. Um, I guess it would just be yeah. You're supposed to live on garbanzo beans and and dream.
1: They don't even have they don't even have good fats. The idea that you the idea that we're kind of internalized now that some fats are good and some fats are bad and some can, you know, fish oil can lower your cholesterol. Right. None That's of this, none of this has made its way into the uh, messaging of the CSPI yet. So they set up a number 1-888-OLESTRA where they encourage people, I, I don't know, try it in your air. I don't know if this number still works.
0: <laughs> <laughs> 888-OLESTRA.
1: Dial one olestra and, and report the effects that you get. Are you dialing it right uh, now? Let's see what happens. Report the effects that eating olestra-filled Wow chips from Frito Lay has on you, because what most of the studies have found is something unpleasant. You do not want to put on a warning label. You know we see in cigarettes the uh, the war- the direct warnings about smoking get more and more draconian on the labels. First it was
0: um, your call cannot be completed at this time. Please try again
1: later. Come on, CSPI. <laughs> 188 Alestra, I guess no the, longer I guess open. they don't care about what we think about <laughs> delicious low-fat Fritos.
0: It would be so great if they had parked like <laughs> like just some kind of vintage recording. Like how
1: you can still go to the website for Val Kilmer's The Saint or yeah, whatever. Right. And Sadly, uh, the CSPI just doesn't have the unlimited budget that some of these big studios do, John. Uh, the most commonly reported... And the CSPI would put out ads just kind of w- warning you. Uh, they had a whole ad campaign against... Olustra. Don't think like you're getting something for nothing, America. That's right. This stuff's bad.
0: That may be where I learned that mentality.
1: Well, it was easy. (laughs) You you think that's... (laughs) I didn't know you had that mentality. I thought you had the opposite mentality. No,
0: don't think you can get something for nothing, Ken.
1: No such thing as a free lunch. Uh, Luckily for the CSPI, the side effects associated with Olestra were showstoppers. Most commonly reported would be uh, abdominal cramping Hmm. followed by steatoria uh, in, in what C, the CSPI claimed were as many as one half of cases. Whoa. Steatoria coming from, a, you know, basically a portmanteau of, I think, a root meaning fat and diarrhea just means if your body doesn't process the fat, the fat runs right through you. Oh, dear. And when there's too much fat in your night soil, you don't have the, the firm texture that we all look for. When we make a little pan of brownies, mm-hmm. uh, and so people would have explosive bowel movements. The uh, explosive—that's
0: well, not just passing through.
1: Well, yeah, I mean the term that the term that uh, consumer groups wanted to use was anal leakage because yeah. they knew nobody would eat something with anal on the
0: bag. No. Uh, well, I would not
1: not not coupled with the word leakage anyway.
0: If it was called anal, if it was like a like a spicy Like George
1: Clooney's what? Yeah, like a sp- like a
0: spicy seasoning like we use anal. I uh, might do it.
1: What's the secret ingredient? Anal. In fact, uh, the FDA finally ag- the PNG and FDA finally agreed on uh, loose stools. Oh there. As the wording, which is, you know, less vivid than anal leakage. But still not great. Still, not something you want to associate with a delicious Super Bowl snack, right? I'm, uh,
0: a, I'm reading a, 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 an account here. Uh, Dana Laughlin and of Plainfield, Indiana, said that her 12-year-old son experienced diarrhea for seven days after snacking on five ounces of nacho cheese Wow Doritos.
1: Five ounces is kind of a lot, but still, seven days? He had
0: an accident in bed at 4 a.m.
1: and missed two days of school. So this it's, is the kind of this is the kind of case terrible. study that the the reason why we have these cases is because the CSPI made sure to put them in front of America. They would literally have ads that would read things like, "A sixty-three-year-old Indianapolis woman ruined three pairs of underwear oh, and had no friends for two days oh, after boy. eating Olestra chips."
0: Oh boy, no friends for two days!
1: I like the implication that your coworkers know which days you have diarrhea and they stay far away, kind of like some kind of. Um, uh, purification hut for uh f- for uh you know sumerian women who are unclean
0: i wonder if you spend a few days ruining your underwear but you still have friends and then at a certain point you've ruined <laughs> you've ruined enough underwear that you lose friends but they put you on a, like a timeout for two days
1: it sounds like this woman's problem is she was telling her friends every time she had diarrhea you don't need to. You don't need to call your friends, Lacey. Well, but if you're ruining
0: underwear right and left, your friends are going to notice. You think
1: they figured it out?
0: Well, sure. I mean, I think so.
1: If you're if they're coworkers, the coworkers notice how many bathroom breaks you take. So if they're coworkers, they're probably picking up on the sixty-three-year-old Indianapolis. Right.
0: Room. If you're just like she's in the bathroom again, and and then there are unholy sounds coming from the bathroom, and
1: that's why nobody poops at work. But you know, with Olustrate, sometimes you don't have the choice. I've had this experience. It's not quite the same as diarrhea because it's really just, you know, it, it, the problem with diarrhea is the amount of water uh, that's being retained or not in your bowels. Right. Whereas with olestra, it's literally changing the the, uh, the the texture and composition of the results. It's making it greasy. You can get these same results today without eating a single bag of of light. Frito-Lay product.
0: Tell me, Ken, how do I get these results?
1: Well, there's a restaurant in Seattle that used to serve a carpaccio of a fish called escolar, okay. which has a delicious, smooth, buttery flavor. It's sometimes called the butterfish or the oilfish. Yeah. But unfortunately, it contains a particular kind of compli- complicated fatty oil that just goes right through you. Mm. And once I made the mistake of eating a delicious tray of this uh, escolar, some places I think even have to put a menu warning. About it, like uh, oh. sushi restaurants have to tell you, "Hey, uh, you might regret this escalar in a few hours." But I ate a plateful of escalar Carpaccio and then went straight to a, I think a Shakespeare play.
0: Oh dear! How many friends did you lose
1: <laughs> <laughs> during Act One alone? I went through three pairs of underwear and lost all my friends uh, for two days. So leakage kind of is the right word in a way. And so the CSPI knew this was a winning formula to get people to associate chips with going to the bathroom.
0: Yeah, but what were they getting out of it? How They're not making any money. They're not l- earning any new friends or or like able to show off their clean underwear. Why are they such nags? They've
1: got test kitchens and labs, and they want America to feel bad about what it eats Yeah, because then it, they get... You they know, get what? Well, their funding comes from the research they publish... You know the scientific research they produce, and yeah, so see. they need they need to have a just like just like your hottest posters today. They need to have a hot take on the big nutritional events of the day. And in 1996, that was Olestra.
0: So as a 21st century American, I'm always looking for. I mean, there's absolutely no uh, there, there's nothing in our modern life that isn't a, a transaction of some kind. Nobody's nobody does anything altruistically anymore. They're follow all, the money,
1: follow yeah, the diarrhea money.
0: Well, or they're just looking for faves. Um, so how, how did these people profit? I see it's, they're getting government funding for their studies.
1: They're getting attention. Yes. And the ultimate diarrhea is the ultimate hot take. I'll say. What's hotter than that? Uh, this all leads to a 2006 lawsuit filed against Procter and Gamble by some underwear changing customers. No, wait a minute. So this came, these
0: products came out in the late nineties and how long did they survive on the shelves? How long could I still buy a wow chip?
1: So nothing OLustra didn't go away. but if you you know if you measure in in terms of sales or Google searches, it's uh Alustra is is a shadow. It's an order of magnitude away from the success it was when it sold three hundred fifty million dollars worth of of Frito products in. 1996. So what went wrong?
0: I mean, I remember this being the topic of a lot of late night monologues. Oh, yeah. Uh, Everybody was talking about Alestra, and then it it completely
1: disappeared. It was the hottest food additive, and it made you poop weird. If there are... irresistible. If if there are still chips
0: that cause anal leakage, you would think that would still be a... I mean, it would be a tough
1: sell. The the labels were later negotiated away. And in fact, Procter Gamble got rid of the lawsuit by... Uh, they gave hundreds of thousands of dollars to some kind of nutritional initiative and uh, put up a banner that said "Eat Light" or something like you know they really were able to kind of PR their way out of this lawsuit. Maybe there were cash settlements as well. I don't know. They replaced everyone's underwear. Hmm. Mac Weldon.
0: That's that's and that's the foundation story.
1: <laughs> uh. On the back of a napkin, Mac Weldon wrote down. Anal leakage, but, question mark, question mark, question mark? That was pre
0: MacWeldon, Weldon, so I think it's yes. probably Fruit another of one of these Fruit of the Loom, uh, mm. like, you know, cornering the
1: market. Although Fruit of the Loom should love this. They're going to sell so many more It sounds briefs.
0: to me that the people in the late 90s were carrying multiple pairs of underwear around in their pockets.
1: I don't remember that. Uh, Well, you had to if you are going to enjoy delicious light Fritos. I
0: mean, I was carrying different pairs of underwear around in my pockets, but they weren't mine.
1: Here were some of the problems that led to Olestra's kind of disappearance from the public sphere, the state in which we find ourselves currently in the year of our Lord 2021. First of all, it was never approved in Canada or the EU like the FDA
0: did. They're so superior
1: they had a limited market and they just love it when something's legal here and they can be the culture that says, "Oh, really?" Yeah. "Well, you can't eat that kind of fish here." Yeah. "And you can't use that kind of gasoline." And
0: and then I say cow encephalitis or whatever. <laughs> BSD Spongiform cow brain
1: in uh, there was a difference in taste. So, you oh. know, as as we got more into snacks that were, you know, actually tasted like food and not like chemicals, which is kind of a fairly recent discovery in the food world. We want to eat, feed our kids the the organic uh, goldfish that seem somehow healthier than the orange pepperidge farm ones or whatever. So Um, Alestra didn't taste good? It didn't taste as good. People said they could taste the difference. And I think that's kind of the trade-off. You know you're getting a zero-calorie chip. Uh, They were more expensive, so okay. if there's two bags of chips on the shelf.
0: Always buy the cheapest chips.
1: I mean, that's true of tortilla chips. Yeah. Uh, and in this case, just a lot of shoppers were not willing to pay an extra 50 cents. To poop. To, to poop more. Uh-huh. I mean, what what price can you put on that? Well, now let me ask you, if you are having trouble pooping,
0: can you buy Alestra chips as a accident? As are, are
1: you asking me to diagnose this unapproved product <laughs> for a use the FDA doesn't? In that case, yes, absolutely. Okay, good. If good. you're constipated, you just need to fill up on... Wow. On wow Doritos. Okay, got it. Uh, and a 2011 study, I think by Purdue University, found that people actually were just eating more. They were actually eating more calories because they'd finish off a bag of the virtuous chips. Oh. So, so all this stuff about how this uh, self-restrained approach to eating is wrong was actually correct. Huh. But the main thing that happened is our idea of... Uh, unhealthy food changed for the better. Uh,
0: we, we, we realized there were good fats.
1: Right. We stopped being so terrified of fat just because it sounds the same as the word we use for um, obesity. Yes. In, as early as 1972, a British researcher named John Yudkin was all over this beat. He published a book called Pure White and Deadly, which linked... It's about sugar. No, it was about cocaine. Oh. But he also... No, no, it was about sugar. Uh... He had this paradigm-changing idea of what makes for unhealthy food. He pointed out that there are plenty of indigenous cultures, including like the Inuit people, where their food is extremely high in fat and they do not have the high incidence of cancer and heart disease that all these studies claimed. There was a famous, um, there was a famous study by John Yedkins's arch archenemy, this Minnesota nutritionist named Ansel Keyes, who was the ultimate big data guy, who if you tried to go up against his idea of unhealthy food, he would say, well, I've got 30,000 people. I'm up to 30,000 people in my longitudinal study. How many do you have? Ooh, burn. And he performed a study called the Seven Country Study, where he showed that no matter where you looked, Greece, uh, Latvia, Portugal, he, all over the map, you would find that the more dietary fat people ate, the more incidence of heart disease and cancer there would be. Oh, The problem is he was leaving out countries where everybody knew that diets were very high in fat, and yet heart disease and cancer incidences were surprisingly low, like France and Germany. These were places that are eating a ton of butter and everything and frying everything, and they were not having the same results. So,
0: If if he was using Greece, Latvia, and Portugal, it seems like he was specifically avoiding France and Germany.
1: I believe that to be the case. Think how hard you have to work to avoid France and Germany if you're testing European nutrition. Like that's...
0: That's if you're in it. Latvia and you want to go to Portugal, you're going <laughs> to have to,
1: to cross you're gonna have to really tiptoe around. I don't even know if there's a way to do it. Um, and so Yudkins pointed to the, Yudkin pointed to the idea that these indigenous diets were always high in fat, but what we would have evolved for would be to not eat carbs. We wouldn't have had oh, sure. access to grains and starches and sugar to the same degree we would have access to meat. So kind of in this early proto-Atkins thinking of what's the more natural diet, he said, the problem is not fat. We're evolved to eat fat. What we need to do is to cut out sugar. And his work was brutalized. It was quashed, not just by the sugar industry and a whole bunch of processed food industries that had built their business model around low-fat but high-sugar formulations, but also guys like Ansel Keys, who... Thought they had tons of data for their uh, fat equals fat connection, and they were not going to put up with this maverick scientist. Well, and also guys
0: like me who love deliciousness.
1: Sure. I mean, it's a hard sell to try to tell people, hey, actually.
0: Sugar is bad. Sugar is bad. Sugar, the greatest of all things, is bad. Because when
1: sugar was scarce, our brains evolved to just "Mm, Mm, love it. Sugar when Yudkin finally died uh, alone and unloved in 1995 he was still just this forgotten maverick whose books about um, how actually fat's fine and sugar's bad were forgotten and had been believed discredited but in the meantime we started to have to grapple with uh, a obesity rise in children and you know this has led to all kinds of knock-on effects some of them just terrible fat, you know, including terrible fat shaming of, of, uh, of people of various shapes, you know. Um, but there's really no getting around the fact that childhood obesity was skyrocketing in a way it never had before. And it was clear that something wasn't working about our fat phobic 60s and 70s ideas about nutrition. And finally, the 1990s is when new studies started to come out vindicating yet and They could find no link between cholesterol, you know, cholesterol, the the villain of so many decades, could really find no link with bad health outcomes like, uh, you know, high cholesterol, high dietary fat diets turned out to be not related to cancer or heart disease at all. But the thing about science is it doesn't like to backtrack, right? Right. Like if you've, all these people who had dozens of years of getting um, elite, well-respected, peer-reviewed articles published about the dangers of fat— Uh, and the comparative virtues of sugar, we're not going to walk that back. Um, So it took a long time to turn around the boat.
0: It's funny because I I always think of the Atkins diet as being some kind of 50s fad diet, but it really only started in the 90s.
1: Yeah, and Atkins had a hard time. Atkins was laughed at and shouted down for saying, no, 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 just eat meat and cut out carbs, you know, because... Healthy whole grains were the foundation of the food pyramid. That's where you got your good car- your good carbs and your good calories. Right. Uh, so, and it was not until some of these studies started to come out about showing that our our findings and if you eat a lot of meat, well, meat's going to have fat. So, it really took some of these new findings about fat and cholesterol to make Atkins seem timely and and forward thinking instead of like a crank. Uh, but when well, it did, I think
0: people still think that Atkins is a crank, just for different reasons.
1: Well, nobody likes anybody to tell them they're eating wrong,
0: right? But also I think, you know, Atkins said like, oh, you can eat as much cheese as you want. And then somebody lived on cheese for two years and died. And
1: So the fact that we totally turned around on the dangers of fat, you know, the fat wasn't the boogeyman that was making us develop these weird lab chips. Uh, Fat's
0: not the boogeyman, but the boogeyman is fat.
1: Is he? Is that true? I mean, if he was chasing you, you wouldn't, you'd probably be able to outrun him. That's true. I feel like all all uh, all our monsters are, are very slender. Yeah, that's true. Dracula's you felt
0: you. Uh, you don't often see like a portly uh, monster,
1: which is good.
0: Like, except for that hot dog eating one in Ghostbusters.
1: Nobody's going to adopt a more nutritious lifestyle because they just haven't been made to feel ashamed enough, right? We
0: talk about we talk about this uh, a lot—the million-dollar ideas. But what if? We wrote a supernatural thriller where the where the evil monster was like, uh, like, you know, a plus size monster.
1: Is that the ultimate uh, representation that yeah, that plus size people can finally be monsters, or is yeah. this just further further uh, demonizing demonizing an already uh, shamed group of people? I feel like in the monster genre, as you
0: say, almost all monsters are thin and skeletal. It is time for a little bit more representation, I think. Well, I guess it- Like it, a, a Chubbins Well, monster. you could
1: definitely pick your dog in the Kong versus Godzilla fight. Kong Kong has a little more meat on his bones, right?
0: Godzilla's got pretty chunky thighs. Uh,
1: yeah, that's right. Pretty chonk, right? I guess, I guess they're just different kinds of mesomorph. Mm. So the idea has shifted back to, look, it's okay to eat- some fatty meat, or it's okay if you if you put butter it's in your okay vegetables. To eat
0: some fatty meat.
1: Yeah, you could make a little rap about it. But yeah, keep the floor beneath your feet. Uh, and now sugar is the dangerous one. As a result, in 2014, Haribo, yep. uh, which you know the, the gummy bear maker, which by the way candy makers used to love this because they would be like, "Fat free? Can you believe these healthy gummy bears? We found that don't have fat. Of course, they don't have fat." How would you? They have horses' hooves and sugar. What are you going to do? Coloring. Are you going to slather uh, Crisco on a gummy bear at some point in the process? Um, yeah, it's
0: like saying uh, it's like saying your corn chips are gluten free. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. We know.
1: We know. But the magic of saying your sugary candy was fat free started to dim. So Haribo was looking into how would they make gummy bears that could actually be sugar free, and it turned out they, they t- one thing they tried is to replace their sweetener with something called lycosin, which is largely maltitol, a saccharide molecule too big to be absorbed by the body.
0: Wow. We have
1: not learned from the past. In 2014, they started to use the olestra of sugars in gummy bears. So the taste, your tongue still responds
0: to the... Sucrositude.
1: You're t- yeah, it's, it's sweet on the lips. But then but your tummy n- can't take it. Not forever on the hips because it goes right through you. Unfortunately, it turned out that just like with Wow Chips, these gummy bears did go right through you. People would buy them in five-pound bags because that's how gummy bears come. And they
0: would come out as one giant five-pound gummy bear <laughs> that you had, to, you had to figure out that's how to get out. the boss level.
1: <laughs> well, no, but people would eat an extraordinary amount of maltitol and, oh, and not recommended amount of maltitol. So if you look up the um, Amazon reviews for these sugar-free gummy bears, it's just 100% visceral CSPI-style descriptions of what happens to your toilet.
0: I ate five pounds of gummy bears. I dialed 911 a long time ago. <laughs> I just feel like if you eat if you eat five pounds of anything, like um, you have to expect something terrible is going to happen.
1: But you can't. We can't teach eating that way, that it's just a way of, well, I don't know, can we? Like, maybe I'm okay with the Protestant approach to eating as long as it's scientifically accurate. Like, look, everything's delicious, but—
0: Eat a little bit. Your
1: your body just is going to want too much of it. So you're going to have to be a virtuous ascetic for part of your day. Small bites. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm saying something—maybe in a lot of people that leads to an unhealthy attitude toward food, and I don't want to be promoting eating disorders. But really, that's the only thing that works for me because— You want everything. I just want everything— To be delicious and chocolate devil's food cake tastes better than everything else.
0: I was at a restaurant not very long ago in Honolulu and uh, humble brag. There was a. uh,
1: (laughs) Did I mention it was in Honolulu? (laughs) It was a
0: vegetarian restaurant. No, it wasn't. There was a big poster out front of of all the people that had successfully eaten their, I don't remember what, 15 pound hamburger, five pound hamburger, whatever it was. And it was a very small group you know, like five people. Have you ever done one of
1: those challenges?
0: No, I did one time at a bar in Ketchum, Idaho, order a <laughs> steak that was like some th- kind of-
1: I think we talked about yeah, this.
0: Yeah, eat the whole steak, but I was so- That's how
1: Hemingway died. I was so
0: drunk. I was so wasted. And the steak was so rare on the inside that I became very repulsed about a third of the way through the steak and just could not eat another bite. Not because I was full, but because I was just like, Oh no, I was, I think it was, I think I was too wasted. Maybe I wasn't, it wasn't that I was drunk. It was also that I was on some cocktail of mind altering substances that made me realize that eating a giant chunk of something dead was like really a bummer.
1: (laughs) That's what all these psilocybin activists need to grapple with. The fact that, you know, you do all these mushrooms you might just eat a weird amount of gummy bears or or uh, ham.
0: Yeah, you are not going to want to eat a steak, though. I mean, you might want to sit and eat chips, but you're not very hungry when you're on uh, like uh, psychedelic drugs. Oh, is that right? It's not a you don't you don't get the munchies. You're you're very much more like can i smoke 50 cigarettes but i don't think you're ever like boy i want to dig into a big plate of something
1: this is good so this can be the Olestra we're recommending to the future
0: take mushrooms
1: psilocybin that's the that's the ingredient of tomorrow yeah that's,
0: if you if you're super super high on psychedelic mushrooms all the time you will lose weight
1: really i won't want red velvet cake if i, I just if i just eat enough mushrooms i don't
0: think so i mean eventually you'll have to take some sustenance but mostly just Gatorade
1: i'm excited about the new me yeah
0: And that concludes Olestra! Whee! Entry 864.LV0723. Certificate number 51232 in the omnibus. Futurelings, in the unlikely event that you are able to sustain yourselves with some kind of nutrition without either A, dying of some sort of uh, malady or B, um, pooping uncontrollably. Or some other – I mean, I don't understand why it isn't a lot simpler to just have delicious food that makes you want to eat it all the time that also isn't terrible for you or super expensive.
1: I guess we uh, we probably do have some prosperity privilege here for speaking to subsistence hunter-gatherers about, about- – which which are the right fattening foods to eat?
0: Well, we're gonna get a lot of letters from the from the unicycle crowd who are like, we do have that. It's called delicious fruits and vegetables. Murk, murk, murk. Unicycle away.
1: I love fruits and vegetables. Oh, don't sure. Don't get me wrong. Sure. Don't it's just get me wrong. you know I I ate some mango slices this morning and they were like the best food. But they're only the best food if you don't also have a slice of red velvet cake sitting next to them. That's right. And as soon as that's there, uh, you know, you're done with the mango. You want the you want that red velvet. That's right.
0: Um, you can uh, see our uh, our archive at Omnibus project on social media. Uh, you can find Ken Jennings at Ken Jennings uh, very periodically very very periodically I will tweet about some patreon content at John Roderick but don't go there for anything hot unless it's unless you're looking for patreon content. Uh, you can Gmail us at, uh, which is which is the parlance of, of the time, at the Omnibus Project at Gmail. You can support our show at patreon.com slash omnibusproject. And we greatly appreciate your support by joining our Patreon group um, at any subscription level. You can listen to our monthly addenda podcast. And then at other levels of membership, there are uh, successive tiers of of wonderful benefits all the way up to the $1,000 a month level where you get to go ice skating with me and Ken. Uh, if in season, right. If you subscribe at the $1,000 level for six months or more.
1: Yeah. And, uh, and you have to arrange to take us to a part of the world where there's currently solid ice.
0: Right. It's only outdoor ice skating that we, that we'll do with you. So no ice rinks allowed.
1: If you're in Ottawa and the canals not frozen the day that your, uh, donation hits, I'm sorry. We're, we're not available. Yeah. We can't risk our health.
0: I mean, we will come and stay in a hotel waiting for it to freeze, but you'll have to keep us there. It has to be a four-star hotel. Yep. We yeah. need separate rooms too.
1: $200 per diem.
0: Um, you can, uh, after after you've exhausted yourself supporting us on patreon.com, you can socialize with other futurelings at, uh, at the Omnibus Futurelings group on whatever social media platform you prefer. Discourse, discord, discordant. Discordance.
1: Dysentery.com. Um,
0: also Facebook and, uh, and Reddit. Dysfunction. Disney. And you can mail us things. Real live things. Send us real things in the mail. Um, perfume-soaked letters dressed, uh, addressed to Mindy Jennings at <laughs> P.O. Box 55744 Shoreline, Washington, 98155. What have we got over there in the mail bag, Ken? I
1: don't know how lucky we are, but we, uh, we get frequent mail from... Uh, <laughs> from two deranged individuals, <laughs> no, from Portland uh, alt comics legend David Chelsea, who always just sends us bespoke art. Oh, wonderful! Look, look, this envelope, which he like hand calligraphed, has two omnibus entries here. Can you name this one?
0: Uh, well, that's cherries, maraschino uh, Mar- 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 cherries. Classic
1: John Epp, and on yep. the
0: back, and on the back, it's a it's a cucumber, it's a it's a zucchini, it's a it's a christmas light yes it's
1: a christmas pickle a christmas pickle classic ken app is great so we each got a we each got an app repped uh we mentioned the dodecahedron calendar that somebody sent us and he sent us his dodecahedral holiday card which when assembled turns into like a a weird immersive 3d view of uh of his front room oh how awesome is that check it out It's, it's really great
0: He's and, A very talented artist. We don't deserve him.
1: He really is. Look at the work that goes into. And he sent us a couple of his uh, of his own letter envelopes that he made available back in the day. This one is a a lovingly stippled baby. Um, they,
0: they appear to be living in a uh, industrial loft in New York City. Here, not in Portland.
1: Oregon. Yeah, I believe that is true. If that's from back in the day. Yeah. I still. I think of him as an East Coast cartoonist am i wrong about that that's very cool and look at this one what would you send the uh the baby struggling to drink his milk or nixon loves checkers
0: well nixon loves checkers (laughs) is a very uh that that warms my heart that baby is a little bit much to take are are those two envelopes that we are those are like stamped self-addressed return envelopes
1: uh i think they are scans of envelopes he has sent in the past oh but we could put a stamp on top of the pixelated out stamp and and we'd be ready to go. He is
0: a wonderful illustrator. It
1: looks like uh, this one has a link to dchelsea.com. If, you, if you've seen his work on our Patreon, you should check out his site. Thank you, David. Listeners, from our vantage point here in your distant past, we have no idea how long our civilization survived. We hope and pray that the catastrophe we fear may never come. Uh, Or if it does, we will certainly go through more than three pair of underwear and we'll probably lose all our friends.
0: For two days, at least.
1: To the radiation. If the worst comes soon, this recording, like all our recording, may be our final word. But if providence allows, we hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the omnibus.